Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Listening to the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Now it's time for our host, Kate Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to uh, the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle Podcast and WrestleNet Radio. Nate Maxson here, your host, along with my brother Aaron. Hello. And Mr. Archie Mitchell, of course. What's up, everybody? And just to let you listeners know, apparently this week's show is taking place at my loud-ass neighbor's bonfire. If you can hear it in the background, just on the other side of the wall of my studio, our new neighbors apparently are having a block party over there. So when we're done with the show here, I'm going to go get a beer and a hot dog. Right. I know. I'm like, why weren't introduce, you invited? Introduce myself. Go out in some dirty slippers, white socks, and some underwear. Go like, like, hey, motherfuckers in neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> can I get one of them kielbasas? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, if you can hear the uh, the party going on in the background, it'll just add a little ambiance to the show right. this week. Hey man, we always- small town, it's small town Ohio, and it's the first nice, real nice weekend of the year. Yes, what you do? I, I don't begrudge them. I'm just saying. I'm just letting our listeners know. <laughs> I'm not actually broadcasting from a barbecue here. Like the whole town smells like a campfire, and it's amazing. <laughs> At least it doesn't smell like the town dump. That's always a positive. Because <laughs> sometimes our town smells like the town dump. I think that's every town. Am I in, my like, am I in like Kuwait? Like, what's going on? <laughs> is that camel dung? Petroleum? What is that? What is what is going on? All right. Well, this week's show, we have, uh, we have reviewed an event from 1986. It's the WWF Big Event. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But before that, want to let anybody know that's listening to the show, not as it's on the radio station. If you have not yet, please do check out our new project, WrestleNet Radio. Things are going pretty well for it already. So I am very happy. 24-7, 365 Wrestling Talk. You can listen to their episodes of the We Can't Wrestle podcast there. You've got virtual asylum shows with... Uh, you can listen to Bret Hart. You can listen to Road Warrior Animal. You can listen to Mick Foley. You can also listen to Archie's show every week if you smell what the arch is cooking. Yes, I've I've been enjoying spewing uh, my venom into West <laughs> WrestleNet Radio. I'm sure, there's somebody that like by week five that's going to be listening to be like, "What the fuck does this guy got to complain about this week? What's going on now? Why is he so mad?" <laughs> 
And of course, you can listen to Maximum Gold with David Gold and myself on yes. the station. And Reliving the Extreme is on there. And Aaron and Chad are going to start doing some shows. Aaron and Chad Austin, without the anchor of having me around, are going to start doing some shows on their own. I'm really looking forward to that as well. <coughs> now, that being said, if you unless you guys have anything else that you want to discuss. I have my oh, menu. I know, Aaron. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, well, Aaron, before you get started, I know you're going to be doing a show with Chad. But I'd like to, we talked about this before the WrestleNet Radio started, you and I doing a show as well. Uh, I think we need to lock down a day. You're not busy, and I'm not busy. An evening, a day, whatever. And uh, I was—you mentioned Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and yeah. I haven't watched a lot of that. So I would love to probably do a review show with you on that because it'll give me a chance to yeah. go back and watch some stuff I might have missed. Oh yeah, we can do that. So the run boss in. is here. Run in. Yeah. The boss is here. There she is. <laughs> <laughs> Archie's grandbaby is on the show. There's there's a yes. cameo we like to have. Not yes. my neighbor's bonfire, but Archie's granddaughter. That's oh, well, a good cameo. She was coming to break shit because she doesn't want to go in the bath. So she was trying to get me to go grab her and be like, "Yeah, stay with me." You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that would be great for you guys to do a show on Smoky Mountain. I think that would be awesome for the and listeners. We'd love to have Nate on whenever he can as well. And um, that being said, Aaron. Yes. Aaron has, based on our conversation last week about the WWE cookbook, which was hysterical, I didn't do my due diligence. I didn't come up okay. with it. It was okay. I forgot. I <laughs> yeah, forgot. That's how hysterical it was. Everybody but me forgot. I'm still <laughs> laughing. I'm still laughing about Salsa Banks. But anyway. Yeah, yeah that was just like really wrong. I forget what yeah. the other one was that was really funny. But Aaron has come up with some pro wrestling themed dishes of his own. And uh, we'll decide whether we're going to clap for them or Gordon Ramsay them. Yes. <laughs> Shut it down. Well, I had to. I thought we were going to start at 1030, so I had like a 30-minute break. So I was like, I had to do something. You did all this uh, in three minutes? 30 minutes. Oh, so 30 these minutes. in 30 minutes. All right. You guys ready? Yes. All right. Uh, corned beef and Nash. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You just got to make sure that it doesn't blow a quad. <laughs> I couldn't. Re- <laughs> I couldn't remember if this one was one that ours was in the book or not. But HB Cake. No, that's a new no. one. No, that's a new one. No, HB the cake. The, the the only cake in the in the book was the the beef cakes. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> um, King Kong Sunday. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to call with, it yeah, Sunday. King Kong Sunday. And it comes with five spoons. Because <laughs> it's a five count. <laughs> Should have ended they're, on that one. They're, listen, they're, uh, listening to, they're listening to Afro Man because they got high next door. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, mean Gene Okreland. No. No? <laughs> Not okay. horrible. Not horrible. It belongs in the book. I will do that. <laughs> Rick Rutabaga. <laughs> <laughs> that dish is ravishing. Yes. <laughs> what, what I'd like to have right now is for all you fat, out of shape patrons of Aaron's restaurant <laughs> to eat a goddamn vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Rutabaga, you fat fuck. <laughs> 
right. Uh, you guys ready for the next one? Yes. Big Van Tater Salad. No. That, that should have been in the tater. book. Big Van now, Tater. Now, 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 as they're serving it, do the workers like come out holding the it's time. It's tater it's time. time? It's tater, tater time. time. It's tater time. <laughs> I mean, the man himself handed out taters. <laughs> uh, the last, last but not least, leaf. Last but not least, Bobby Fish. <laughs> that one was the least that's thought the best, of, but that was the best yeah, one. That's the best one. <laughs> Bobby Fish. The comedy is beauty in its simplicity. Yes, you can that only is. order the Bobby Fish four months out of the year because he's injured the rest of the time. <laughs> it's a seasonal. It's a seasonal. It's seasonal, right? <laughs> We can only get the black cod four months out of the year, so now you get I the have, Bobby Fish. I have a question about the HB cake. <laughs> Does that take a four-year hiatus and then come back like the McRib? And it's much better. I mean, it's still it's still as good as it was, but it's 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 a little no, more tasteful. No, when, when you go when you go to eat it, you're like very. You, it looks really good. You're like, oh man, this is going to be delicious, and you've had a great meal. And everything, and then you eat the HB cake, and it's kind of a letdown, and you just lose your smile. Oh, <laughs> oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. I like that. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite memes ever is what the, they have this. It shows the sign on the door at McDonald's that says, "Sorry, we're all out, we're of, all boy out of boy toys." toys. It shows Shawn Michaels' crying face from that yeah. Thursday Raw Thursday, yeah. <laughs> or that one where it's like Shawn's like happy and he's looking at Steve, and then it's Steve flipping him off. Yeah, but so it's like, like your coworker that never does anything bad and is very nice, and then you, and this is like, and then it's like oh, flipping them off. <laughs> All right, the big event. Yes, it's uh, the WWF did this show. Excuse me, in between. All right, so you had WrestleMania one. And then you had the wrestling classic, which we have reviewed. We reviewed back in like one of the first ten episodes of the sh- show, I think. Okay, that was pretty awful. Um, and then WrestleMania two, and then in between WrestleMania two and WrestleMania three, they did this show in Toronto at the CNE right. Stadium, the big event. It was in the summer of nineteen eighty six, and I want to tell you, I'll tell you. This show is even more a blueprint for WrestleMania than WrestleMania was. I agree. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be going into it, Nate. I thought it was just going to be a random show and just like, okay, whatever. But I got hooked. I told you. I stayed up four hours watching it last night. Mm -hmm. And it was like, wow, okay. And it's it's your first like not not the first time they were ever in a stadium, obviously Shea Stadium and et cetera, et cetera. But right. the first like in that era of the WWF, the WrestleMania era, in a big stadium, you're headed to WrestleMania three, which is obviously going to shatter records. But at this time, this may have been their biggest audience. I'd have to research yep. it, but this may have been their biggest audience to date. Over sixty over sixty thousand fans, and 
One of the notes that I have here, I have it later on in the show, but I want to, I want to, I want to address it now. See, folks, the main event for this show is Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff, and I want to ask you guys if you agree with me. First of all, Orndorff's rivalry with Hogan is one of Hogan's coolest rivalries. Definitely. Secondly, I don't think, I don't think. Because, I mean, you can look at this, you can look at this show as proof, as prime example. I don't think Paul Orndorff gets enough credit from the WWE for the draw as a heel he was. Uh, much better heel than face, I'll tell you that much. We've yeah, and I mean, about he was, that before. Yeah, him, him up against Hogan was a huge fucking yep. draw. Like, yep. it did major gates in 86, and... Orndorff's, Orndorff's rivalry with Hogan and Orndorff's contribution to these early days of the WWF just does not get uh, does not get acknowledged like it should by that company. And I was going to say, you know why? You know why I think it is? Because he's think, a curmudgeon? No, no, it's not even that. I think, and I actually kind of respect him for it. How many guys have been like, you know what? I, I don't like how Vince treats people. I don't like this. I don't like that. Fuck it. I'm out. And then what do they do like five years later? Right. Like Archie talked about like Archie talked about on his show a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but but Paul never did that. Nope. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, when I don't I don't ever remember him? I don't ever remember him saying, Oh, I tried to go back to the WWE and they wouldn't have me. He said, Fuck no. it. I don't need it. And he left. And that was that. I mean, he told Jim Cornette that Jim asked him what he got out of the Hall of Fame. He's like, I got $5,000, and I left that plaque in the hotel. Like, he didn't even take wow. the plaque and shit with it. He's <laughs> like, I did it for wow. the $5,000, and I left my plaque in the hotel. <laughs> Cleaning lady was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, he did that because he was going to lose his house, and that's right. why he did it. Right. And then Jericho gave him the rest of the money, and he and he saved his house. But yeah, mm-hmm. Horndorf stood his ground with Vince. He didn't like it. Didn't like how he's being treated. Yep. Yeah. And he Fuck was happy going to he was happy going to Smoky Mountain. Uh well he was in that, that terrible AWF uh, with the round system for a little while. He was in the UWF he too, the, the Herb Abrams deal. Right. But the only problem was they were booking him as a I mean, except for Smoky Mountain, they were all booking him as a face, mm-hmm. which made no sense. You know, and then WCW finally brought him in and were like, No, you're gonna be a heel. And he was a great tag team wrestler. I, it was the one time when Paul Orndorff was with Paul Roma, I could say I was a Paul Roma fan because their tag team was pretty damn good. It's funny because I, I was a Paul Roma fan as long as he was in a tag team. Whenever Paul Roma was doing anything as singles, I wasn't. I don't know why. Just to me, he just never... I just wanted him out of the horseman, Nate. I just didn't yeah. want him to be a horseman he, anymore. He, he, and I'm not even shitting on him by saying this. No, he never no, should. No, he no. never should have been a horseman. No. But no, I liked Power and Glory. I liked Pretty yeah. Wonderful. I liked. Uh, um, I even as as a as a lower card tag team, him and Jim Young Powers Stallions. were good yeah, the at the, as the Young Stallions. They you were know? okay, but you, you knew they weren't gonna. They were. They had no come ups. You know what I mean? They were. Mm-hmm. Meant to be there to either beat a jobber tag team or lose to a bigger tag team right. like the Barbarian and the Warlord. You know what I mean? So we opened the big event with Mean Gene narrating some uh, helicopter shots of Toronto and then flashing into shots of the uh, event itself, which I thought was a cool open. Yes. And Mean Mean Gene, I even wrote it down, is, and, and I know like, we got WCW and things like that, but we're Nate and I, and I know for sure where Archie grew up. The what you got the most was the WWF. Yep. 
And that's why I understand why sometimes people not like the WWF style or whatever, but that's what wrestling is. Like, as my childhood, that's what wrestling was. Mm-hmm. The older I got, you know, the more I like the NWA and stuff like that. But Mean Gene Okerlund is like the voice of my childhood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There wasn't anything the WWE did or WWF back then that uh, didn't have a Mean Gene voiceover. I, I kind of liken him to... Um, uh, Morgan Freeman, you know, vo- as a voiceover, he was mm-hmm. on everything. That and was the longest night of Andy Dufresne's life. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> um, and we open up the show with a tag Me, team match. The Macho Man Randy Savage won the one WrestleMania four, <laughs> and that, that was, was the longest day of the Macho Man Randy Savage's <laughs> life. <laughs> Our commentators for the show, Gorilla Monsoon, Luscious Johnny Valiant, and the big cat Ernie Ladd. It's like Vince McMahon's like triple threat, man. He's like, <laughs> my boys, man. Uh, and you know what? They didn't do a bad job together. Valiant is at times annoying, but at times really funny. Right. Yeah. And, and Ernie Ladd. What Ernie Ladd did, I, I I know, like at first I was like, man, Ernie Ladd isn't really doing much, but Ernie Ladd spoke when he needed to speak. You right. know what I mean? His voice carried when it needed to, right? Younger people that listen to the show, and I count myself as far as Ernie Ladd goes as a younger person because right, I never watched him wrestle. I didn't discover the. I mean, I knew of Ernie yeah. Ladd right as as a young kid as the. Back like this announcer guy or or somebody that would do an interview talking about a match or like he did the interview talking about you know Bam Bam Bigelow versus LT because he was a wrestler and a football player, right? And you saw little clips of him and stuff. Well, as I got older, and like Aaron said, you start going back and you know watching stuff from before either either before you were born or stuff from territories in the eighties that you didn't see because of where you lived and anyway. Do yourselves a favor if you haven't, and go and watch some Ernie Ladd. Oh yeah, because that dude was a super, super awesome heel. Like his promos, his Mister Announcer, Mister Television Announcer with Vince McMahon, and running down Bruno San Martino, and um, running down. <laughs> there's an interview. I'd have to pull it up to know exactly what it is. He does an interview. Cracks me up running down special delivery Jones, just <laughs> running, running that motherfucker down like this special delivery Jones, but Ernie Ladd, fantastic heel. Uh, one of the oh, best. Um, I, but in, in like Aaron said, in this event, he spoke when he needed to speak and yep. his voice carries and it, it, every time he speaks, it serves a purpose and you know, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed the commentary. Would I have liked a Bobby Heenan or a, a, even a Lord Affleck Hayes? Yeah. But for what we got being what kind of show this was, I can't complain. The opening match. One of the travesties of the early or of the 80s expansion in the WWF is the way the, tr- the funks were treated. Yeah. I, um, I, why were they called? And Jimmy Jack Funk. Well, well Jimmy Dory. Jack isn't Jimmy isn't Jack. Jim, yeah, Jimmy Jack is uh Baba Bada What's the guy's fucking name? No, uh, I know, but Jesse Barr. Jesse Barr, yes. Yeah, like what the hell was the Hoss problem Funk. there though? Yeah. Well, Jesse Barr was created because they created an extra funk brother, and then Terry left 
He had he had, very, a sick horse. He, he had a sick horse. <laughs> but the note he left Vince, he said, I gotta go. My horse is sick. And he just <laughs> left. Better off than going to play softball. They kept Jesse around because I even wrote my notes. Like people up in the nosebleeds, they didn't know any better. It'd be like, that's Terry Flunk. <laughs> You know what I mean? It was kind of yeah. like when they did the Superfly. See me off. See me off. They wrestled t- uh, Dory Funk. I'm sorry, Haas Funk. And uh, Jimmy Jack Funk. Jimmy By this Jack time, Funk. Terry's Terry had told WWF to go fuck themselves. Right. Um, they wrestled the Killer Bees here. And like I said, I just, I, Okay. And 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 I would I would I have had this conversation kind of sorta with uh, if you guys listened a few weeks ago anybody to the show uh, one of the hosts of Breaking Kayfabe and a Florida wrestling historian Barry Rose I don't know if we had this discussion on the air or off the air but I am not I I will never ever 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 shit on the abilities the talent and what he brought to the wrestling business in his day of Dar- of Dory Funk okay but. Bell to bell in the ring. I'm not a guy that's really gonna be. Yeah, I want to watch me a Dory Funk Junior match. I'm just right. not. That's just the way it is. I, I'd much rather watch Terry because Terry's one of my favorite wrestlers of all well, time. Yeah. And and yeah. Dory Funk though, and I'm I'm in the same boat. Like Dory Funk doesn't do anything bad. Dory Funk is a fantastic wrestler, but he was a wrestler from a different era. <laughs> Like if we would have grown up in the seventies, sixties, and seventies, we would have liked Dory Funk, right? Because that's what you watched. But I mean, Terry transcended though. He kept changing. You know, he know. he went to and Japan. The- he did the death match. He did. The, you know, it, it, Dory was always Dory. You know what I mean? So it was just there was no changes going on there. Well, and the point I was getting to was the WWF, I think, felt the need, and I'm not agreeing with it at all because, like I said when I started this, I don't like the way they treated the Funks. Right. Um, I think that they felt the need with Dory to put some stupid gimmick on him because he was just to Vince, probably just boring old Dory Funk, you know. And he went boring but, Dory, <laughs> boring Dory. <laughs> but I, it didn't work. And I think I think I think that nec- they didn't necessarily change Terry too much when he was in. Well, you no. don't change Terry Funk. But taking right. the legendary Dory Funk, who's the the one of the long reigning NWA champions and one of the biggest wrestlers of the prior decade, and just saying, "Yeah, yeah, this is Hoss Funk," and then it was just <laughs> stupid. It was stupid. But anyway, this match was okay. Uh, it was it was okay for what it was. Yeah, I mean, the bees are the bees. You, you're going to get a, a decent. High pro, you know, high fast motion match out of, you know, the Killer Bees, mm-hmm. and Dory and Jimmy Jack were doing their best to be brawlers, but I mean, it was a decent opener, got the crowd hot, I guess. And Dory, yeah. Dor- Dory does a great job as, as like the worker, and he's always trying to go for the victory every move. He tries to, tries to get the win because Dory's always just keep pinning, just keep pinning. <laughs> Finding Nemo joke. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, All right. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> Did I'll you go do shots now. with my neighbors or something? Um, mask confusion from the Killer Bees here, and they pick up the win. Say, uh, kill- yay, yay or nay? Uh, mask confusion. You guys like that? I um, actually, I actually don't mind it when 
the two guys have similar physiques like right. Brian Blair and What's-His-Face did. Right. It worked. Um, sometimes. What's-His-Face? You talking about, you're talking about, you're talking about Ganya's kid, Greg? <laughs> no, I'm talking about the other killer being. You mean Jim Brunzel? Jim, Jim Brunzel, Brunzel and Brian, Brian I thought, Blair. I you were trying to say Brian Blair and him didn't have like <laughs> no, 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 no. But what I was going to say was when, as example, as an example, um, Aaron and I talked with Chad many times, and we've had to about the, the super destroyers in ECW. When those right. guys would do this, yeah, they had the same mask on, but the, when those guys would do the switcheroo, it was totally unbelievable because one of them is like almost a foot taller than the other. Right, one. right. And yeah, or when uh, when they would try to do it with um, with uh, demolition and crush yeah, and yeah. crush an axe, just like you know, it's just right. I don't know, right. but yeah, when, I think with the killer bees it worked because they, like I said, they were both they were both similar in stature and. Right. Kind of looked alike physically, so I mean Brunzel is a little thicker, but you know what I mean. Like no, I could see, I could see the referee falling for that. Right. But yeah, right. overall, mass confusion is stupid. Usually, I I like the, <laughs> I like when they were doing it. I have no problem with it. Like Nate said, they looked almost identical body wise, so it was okay. However, I did not like it when that was their tag team name on that crappy show we watched and reviewed it reviewed oh, yeah. <laughs> the UWF no show yeah. Um, yeah it was like, it was like why are they called I, I couldn't understand for like why are they calling it mass confusion and then you told me they because that was their move in WWF <laughs> like but why did they just call them the killer bees <laughs> I mean I can't believe that Vince McMahon copyrighted the killer bees yeah <laughs> or just you call know? them the swarm right or, or the bees call them the bees <laughs> yeah the something. fucking bees yeah you it's know? the bees they're mass confusion but they don't wear the mask all the time <laughs> <laughs> so but, but yeah but like I said overall decent I guess whatever opening tag match um the next match, when I looked at it, when I saw it hit the ring, I was like, ooh, cool. I get to watch Haku wrestle Don Morocco. And then right. as these two just plotted along in their match, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm watching this Haku boring. <laughs> yeah, they. But we have uh, – it's funny because they must have – between the time the show was recorded and the time the show was uh, post-produced and put on video – that must have been when they decided to change King Tonga's name to Haku because they right. introduced him as King Tonga, but during commentary, the re- the commentators refer to him as Haku. Right. He wrestles Don Morocco, who is of course managed by Mister Fuji, to a draw. This was I don't have a I put down I was excited and then not it because was, this was very plotting. The first five minutes was decent because they just banged into each other, but then the last fifteen minutes was like, is it over yet? It was. You know when you watch it, when you see a car crash, and then it takes like three hours to clean it up, and you're like, are they ever going to clean this up? Is it going to be done yet? That's <laughs> the way I watch it. It's like, is it over yet? Can we get, just get, can I fast forward? You know. There's a point in the match that I rewound it twice, because I swear to God, Gorilla Monsoon curses. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> he messes up. There's a line, and I, I rewound it like two, two or three times, because I wanted to see if I, and every time I heard it the same way. He says, and it was like at the fifth, not of the match, but of the time of the show, the 15 minute, two second mark. He says, they're exchanging, and I swear Morocco will come up with the short end of this shit. <laughs> wow. I swear to you God. May you may be right. You may be right. 
<laughs> I'm gonna go back and watch it. What do you yeah. say? 1502. 1502. I gotta go back and watch it too. <laughs> that was the short end of this shit. <laughs> he might not have realized he was on mic if I didn't. Yeah, he, like, yeah, it's. I, I thought he said stick, but I think I think he meant to say stick, but he said <laughs> right. shit. And, and Ernie Ladd was like, "Oh, Mister Television Announcer." <laughs> Um, all right, so less said about that, the better. Less said about this next match, the better. Good God. What big a squash bum- match. <laughs> big bumbling Ted Arcidi. <laughs> you know, Both. against Tony Gurria. Do you get, uh, I know Aaron, uh, I don't know how much, Archie, I don't know how much world class you've watched, how much Dallas wrestling. Uh, I wa- in the last I watch, few months, you know. Mm-hmm. I, over my years, Dallas and Memphis are probably the two territories that I watch the most of. Right. Um, Dallas, right. here's my thing about Dallas. I'm not going to get off on a tangent. I'm sorry, guys. But my thing about Dallas is, yes, I, I will admit, Dallas, did they did a lot of the repeats. You know, it was always the Von Erichs and the Freebirds or the Von Erichs. And, you know, they, they did do a lot of the same shit all the time and and it would just be the cycle of kind of the same story being told all the time. I think the reason I like Dallas so much is the television production and things like that. They were the first ones to do like the, you know what I mean? The, the, the way they did the interviews and the, the, the character profiles and stuff. But anyway, what I'm getting at is in the dying days of Dallas, what might've finally actually killed it was they actually tried to use this, our CD joke as their one of their top heels. Like he was managed by Percy Pringle. And he is just a I don't know, man. This guy's just a bumbling oaf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the I best mean, way I can say it. I, I don't know what it was. He, he's he looked, probably a perfectly nice gentleman, but he was not cut out for the wrestling business. He looked like a weeble wobble. The way he was <laughs> built and everything, he looked like he was about to tip over. You know, and just I don't know. And if if being managed by Paul Bear before he was Paul Bear can't help you. Then you have there's nothing they can do for you. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, but by the time he was in Dallas, it was probably like <clears throat> late '87, early '88, something like that. And he hadn't gotten any better than this. Like he was, he wasn't any better. Right. Like right. So, but yeah, he pretty much. This is pretty much a rough match with him putting a bear hug on on Tony Gurria. And like I said, less said the better about this one. Tony Gurria gets no respect whatsoever in WWF. <laughs> <laughs> when you know, when I watch his matches, it always seems like he's either getting his ass whipped or he's still losing. You know what I mean? He just doesn't. I've never watched him win. He had a team with Rick Martel yeah. in the early eighties. Yeah, they were the they're they're one of the biggest like um, uh, what do I want to say the biggest dichotomies in wrestling history because if you watch that team, all right, you got an interview. Let's say Vince McMahon's interviewing them outside the ring. And these guys cut the most boring fucking promos. Like Tony Gray would be like, "Yep, we were up in uh, up in Boston, Vince, and you know they got uh, they got good sandwiches up there, and uh, we drove around a little bit, and then we went in and we wrestled Fuji, and uh, then I uh, I drank some Ovaltine, went to bed, (laughs) and Rick Martel's like, "Yeah, man, Vince, we got the yes, we're the champs." And then they get in the ring, they get in the ring, and they turn it the fuck on, man. And they're a great tag team. They were such a good tag team. We got in that ring, we got in that ring, and we were cooking and smoking in Hoboken, I'll tell you what. (laughs) (laughs) 
that would have brought some more life to it if you'd have tried to be a poet. But yeah, they're, they're just funny to me because their promos are so bad. And so yeah. Bad. And then they get in the ring and they're so fucking good. But anyway, poor Tony Gurria had the, uh, had the worst, drew the worst card on this night. We have a promo from Jimmy Hart and Adrian Adonis up next. What did you guys think of this promo? I want to make a comment about this when <laughs> you guys are done. Go ahead. Adrian Adonis, Adrian Adonis would talk nonsense, but for some reason it all worked. Damn it. That's exactly what I was going to say. He always, he always would just throw some little catchphrase or something. Like when he leaves this interview, he's like, time for danger. And it's just like, you know, he, he so quick, so very quick. And yeah, this, so yeah, yeah, you, you stole my thunder there because that was the same thing I was going to say. What a promo. Uh, I, and, yeah, I, I liked Adrian Adonis. I, I enjoyed watching him. Uh, I wish I would have watched some of his older stuff. Like before he became, you know, the androgynous and a dress and a hat. Uh, when I was younger, I'm happy I finally did as I got older. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, him and the WWF as, at this time, um, it was just funny to watch. You know, even during his matches, he would always do a dance or a shuffle, and he'd be like, "This, this guy is just weird." You know, but it made me chuckle. My granddad loved him. My granddad would always, "You got to watch this, Adrian Donovan." Grandpa, I don't want to watch it. Please, I don't want to watch it. No, no, no. And I'd watch it and I'd laugh and he'd be like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, he's gay. He's like, no, he's not. And I'm oh, okay. So, but I was eight, so it's not my fault. Behind well, the scenes is fun. But anyway, Adrian Adonis. Well, well okay, well, I was going to say something else. You say Rich is going to roll into the match. But um, <laughs> it wasn't until the beginning of the year that I learned something. Okay. All right. Um. Grab Them Cakes and Jive Soul Bro are not original WWF songs. What do you mean? Like, like they they bought them from another guy. Like an act. Like, like Grab Them Cakes wasn't written by the WWF specifically for JYD. They bought it from this dude, and they did the same thing with Jive Soul Bro. And his name was the, like Captain Chameleon, and he was just this like. Jive rapper guy. So they these are real. Songs these are real songs. Yeah, and they just redid them. Wow. Never knew that until the <laughs> I didn't either. I didn't. I didn't know that till uh, thirty-five seconds ago. Yeah, this. I was today years old when I found that. <laughs> <laughs> also, also at the beginning of this match, and I'm not going to say the word because I don't say the word, but there is an an audible particular F word that is being chanted at Adrian Adonis. And I'm like, I can't believe the WWF or the WWE with how particular they are about things left that in there. Right. Yeah. Um, especially Peacock. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Well, let me, let me put my notes on this match. It's, it's Adrian Adonis versus junkyard dog. I have a note here that these two, both guys once very, very, Solid, great performers. Yes. We're well past good at this point. Um, Adrian obviously gained a... T- he was still a bump machine for his weight at this time. Oh, but, definitely. Yeah. And JYD, I mean, if this, this is this is to the point... This is at the point where JYD is just enjoying being very, very rich, doing lots of drugs, eating lots of food, and and just earning that paycheck. And, and you know what? Whatever. Uh, but I'm just saying, this was not the JYD of Mid-South in 1983. Oh, no. um, 
And this match is not. There's a lot of matches on this show that are not good matches. Like yeah. <laughs> this match is not good. <laughs> well, Johnny V has the best line of the night though in this match. Best line of the night. And he goes, if Dog wants to grab some cakes, good thing he's in there with Adonis. <laughs> I missed that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It was fucking <laughs> funny. <clears throat> um, but yeah, overall, not good. Terrible. Are we in a yeah, game? Uh, my problem is that we're only four matches in and we've had a time limit draw and a count out. So, yep. yeah, not good. <laughs> not good. <laughs> It gets uh, better though, folks. I promise it does get better. Kind of. Um, <laughs> and how did he even get counted out? Like he wasn't even out of the ring for more than ten <laughs> seconds. I don't think anybody knew what the fuck was going right. on. Right. Like, 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 like JYD like hits him with a chain and then beats up the ref and he doesn't get disqualified. And then Adonis bumps Jimmy Hart, which is a terrible bump, goes over the top rope, and he's out there for like three and a half seconds. They ring the bell and then they go. Oh, he's just, he, he got counted out. <laughs> like, I, I picture i picture at some point during the match, Dog saying, like, did we ever get a finish for this? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Like, everybody was on cocaine. Like, <laughs> yeah, they came up with this match. This they, stepped back, they stepped back to the curtain. Who, who, who won? I don't know. <laughs> This event, I'm, I'm, as I'm as I'm watching this event, as we're going through it, I might, this might be why George Scott got fired as well. <laughs> <laughs> George, is, who, won, who won that match? I don't know. Uh, no idea. Never booked. No, a, never booked a finish. Never for booked it. a finish. <laughs> I was still stuck on Ted, Ted Arcadia. Okay. <laughs> Time <on>. for danger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the next. <laughs> the next. A thing is uh, <laughs> the, next thing. the next thing. Yes, Iron Mike Sharp is here, <sighs> and he is going up against. Yeah, yep, Dick Slater, covered in a rebel flag as a baby face. As a baby face, one. And I never knew Dick Slater worked in the WWF. Two. Hey. How was he a baby face wearing a rebel flag? It's like, hey, here's an idea. Let's bring this guy who's like a legitimate badass and is. Acts obviously a better heel than a baby face. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's try to get him over. Oh, how are we going to do it? Well, we're going to bring him to the we're going to bring him to the northeast, right? And 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 we're gonna we're gonna put a rebel flag on it. Right? <laughs> Great they, idea. They, they like the Dukes of Hazard, not General Lee. So maybe him wearing it'll look look, look like something. That's a bad idea. The, fan, <laughs> the fans did crack me up though. Because the first time Mike Sharp got like hit his move and went ah, all the people went ah. <laughs> <laughs> me up. Those Canadian fans were yeah. were the, were were them even back then. They were um, they were looking for any reason to pop guys. Yeah, nothing they, nothing popped them yet. Well, you know? and that is the thing about wrestling fans. Okay, when you get a huge group of wrestling fans together. And I'm sure, Archie, you've been to plenty of indie shows. Aaron yep. and I have been to plenty of indie shows. Is yep. it or is it not a fact that if professional wrestlers do not entertain wrestling fans, wrestling fans will start entertaining themselves? Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, <laughs> you yes. know, like, 
That's what we do. If you're not, if you aren't turning it up, if you aren't giving us what we want, we're going to start doing it right. ourselves. And, and shame on you if you get angry with me for doing that and then proceed to tell me not to. Have a better right. match. Do something to make me to make me enjoy or if what you're, I'm watching. Or if your shits if your shits fucking up and you're not acknowledging it, we're gonna let right. you know. Right. <laughs> like the last indie show, Nate and I went to there. The fucking the ring announcer had this big bushy beard, like big beard. This big, big lumbering fat guy had this big bushy beard, <laughs> and every time he would go to talk, there would just be like reverb. Like That's terrible funny. reverb. That's it was funny. like it was going for like half the show and like he would go to speak and it'd be like and everybody'd be like, God damn. You know? <laughs> and I didn't know anybody other than Nate. And it's like it goes real loud and real loud. I go, What you got fucking metal shaving in your beard? <laughs> and the people around Dude, us I popped. don't even know next <laughs> right. to me was like <laughs> 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 oh shit are you start naming other fans you know we had that guy yeah. at the we go we would go to the the war wrestling shows in lima ohio and uh there was a guy there that was cyrus the virus that's what we called him i mean no no and, i didn't call him cyrus the virus he was like this dirty redneck guy so i named him millie ray virus <laughs> i'm sure he's got millie Ray virus. Where did I get Cyrus the virus? He was because the guy that was Cyrus's name in ECW. Oh, ECW. Yeah. Yeah. Don okay. But yeah, Billy Ray virus. <laughs> That's good. That is good, Aaron. <laughs> now so, we get. Uh, we didn't yeah. enjoy this match, so we yeah. gloss Dick's, over it. Yeah, Dick Slater essentially squashed Mike Sharp here. We get a uh, a good Bobby Heenan promo about the main event coming up, along with Mean Gene. Uh, talking about Paul Orndorff and his other stuff he's got coming up. Now we get something good on this show. Yeah. And, and, and I, I want to ask this question real quick. Mm-hmm. <coughs> is is the machines like the only thing that Vince McMahon ever like allowed to come into his company that wasn't his thing? Yes. Like, does that make yeah, sense? I know so. like the NWO. But but do you get what I'm saying? You're talking yeah. about before before the Monday Night Wars were over, when it was yeah. when it when um would you say that he the only other person that I would say he let come in and kind of retain? Well, I'm not even saying the like I'm not even saying they let this guy come in and retain his gimmick. Like he took this entire gimmick from Japan and just brought it into it. Like he just let Andre bring this thing over from Japan and just do it. Mm-hmm. Cause the machine, like super machine was super machine in Japan. Right. You know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Right. And, and you're right. But this, this was before this, the, the machine thing kind of started up before he started the whole, nothing exists except the WWE. Right. Right. Because he had like, he had Luthez on, on TNT, but yeah. no, I mean, uh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, it, it, I'm not trying to dissect your question. But yeah, you're right. This was something that was completely just another promotions thing, right? And, and Vince is like, "Fuck it." <laughs> Andre wants right. to do it. Let's do it. Yeah, and then I mean, it. Yeah, it just it always seemed weird to me that it was. I don't know. I mean, I like it, but it was just weird. And of course, Vince clowned it up. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, he he was yeah. like, and got a paper machine. Hulk machine. Hulk, Hulk machine. machine. Let's do some 
uh, I'm sure I'm hoping you guys didn't Google it. But all right, who was who was Super Machine, Nate? Super Machine was Bill Eady. And who was Big Machine? Wow, I've never known that. I knew I knew that Demolition Axe was Super think. Machine. I obviously, know. Giant Machine was Andre. Andre, right. Uh, uh, b- 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 Blackjack Mulligan. Yes. Yes. And this whole machine thing was done for Andre to keep him working, but mm-hmm. not working because his back was all fucked up. Right. And, and that's why I think, like, it was, it was, I, I think if anybody other than Andre would have went to Vince McMahon and said, hey, they do this thing in Japan called the machine, and I could take this gimmick and use it over here. And honestly, I don't think anybody other than Andre would have been able to say, hey, I'm going to take a gimmick from your promotion and take it over here and do it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. The match we're discussing is the machines. It's the big machine and the super machine. Uh, and Captain Lou Albano against Big John Stud, King Kong Bundy, or King Kong Sunday, and Bobby, <laughs> Bobby the Brain Heenan. My yes. notes here, well, one of my, two of my notes here before we get into it is I'm always down to watch anything with Bobby Heenan and Bill Eady in it. And they should have, they should have made, made, after watching this or watching any time he gets in the ring, they should have made Bobby one of the machines and called him Bumpin' Machine. Because, <laughs> man, oh, man, Bobby Heenan just let a baby face throw him around, and it is oh, yeah. fun stuff to watch. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, it, you know, it was what it was as a match. Edie was the best, obviously, the, the worker oh, in the course. match. Oh, of course. Of um, course. And... I was always a fan, even though at times he was not not when he came back in '95 or whatever. But as a big monster heel, uh, for me as a kid, I loved King Kong Bundy. Um, I think King Kong Bundy had he's another guy that doesn't get enough credit from the WWF. He had a presence. He had a big man heel presence. And I mean, going back to world class, watch him in world class. He was he was amazing. Um, but. And Aaron and I have talked about it before. I don't know. I don't know if you were with us when we talked about it, Archie. But we both are two guys that don't get Big John Stud. Um, Big, Big John Stud was overrated. I think I, I never really dug Big John Stud. No, I, I didn't. I, I found pretty much everything he did uh, as an afterthought, including him winning the Royal Rumble, and including the. I mean, I never understood. Obviously, WrestleMania won. The, the body slam challenge, Andre's the baby face, Stud is the heel. But then when Andre turned, Stud became the face, and he was even more out of place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He just didn't fit in anywhere, so I, I agree with you there. Um, I just wanted to look up something and see, like, you know, if I could find out if uh, I could find out the answer to my question or whatever, and it was... Basically, what I said that Andre came up with this. He said, "Hey, let's borrow this thing from New Japan or whatever." So I Wikipedia'd it, and the original um, Super Strong Machine from Japan. He went by some other different machine names, and one of them is my favorite one, which is uh, is it Love Machine? <laughs> hey, hey, you're close. You're close. You got to <laughs> add a word. He was the super love machine. <laughs> super love machine. And who played that? I can't say his name. Why? I don't know how to pronounce oh, it. Oh, I thought you. I, I thought you were keeping his name. Aaron's like, I can't break kayfabe. Right. Yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't just know you couldn't pronounce it. 
<laughs> All right. So overall, I thought this match was good for what it was. You yes. know, it was, a, it was an attraction. It was a way to get Bobby to get in the ring with the machines and bump around. And Albano's big ass was in there doing whatever and, Albano and does. That, and that's what I put. The whole purpose of this match was it was an attraction, and it was people wanting to see Bobby get beat up. And it right. was fun. It was a fun match. Definitely. And, you know, it didn't. It didn't have like a Albano. Albano let him slap him, and then he punched Bobby, and he bumped mm-hmm. everywhere for Bobby, and yeah, or you know, Alban Bobby bumped her. Albano didn't bump for shit, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Bobby mm-hmm. bumped for Albano, and yeah. The next match I actually wrote down here. This is two of the best of this decade doing what this they is, do. This is the best doubt. match in the whole goddamn card. In my Jake, opinion, Jake Roberts and Ricky Steamboat in the Snake Pit match. In my opinion, the two most underrated men in WWF history. Next, and Ravishing Recruit is the third. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the these guys were, like I said, I mean, if you pick, if you're going to pick the top, uh, you, maybe we could do it sometime. But if you're going to talk about the top twenty five wrestlers of the eighties decade. These two guys place easily, easily, I'd say, in my top 15. Oh, um, definitely. The psychology in this match is great. The work is great. And I love the finish. But I'll let you guys talk about it first. Well, Go I was going to say that, that, and this might be a weird analogy, you guys, but and it, it's different because he went there a couple of different times. But Ricky Steamboat is the Bret Hart going to WCW of the WWF. Oh, definitely. Definitely. They w- they wasted Ricky unbelievably. They had no fuck Vince McMahon had no fucking idea what to do with Ricky Steamboat. Nope. Mm-hmm. nope. I know and he all- got the IC victory and all that, but even then after that he didn't After that they didn't do what did they do with him? What what did Ricky really do? Ricky after he won the title. Ricky Steamboat was and let me just make a comparison quick. Ricky Steamboat in the 1980s was to WWE as Daniel as Daniel Bryan was in the 2010s. He was that guy to WWE. He was that guy that they didn't want to acknowledge that he should be a top guy, but right. there were times where they had to make him. You know what I mean? Like, uh yeah, I'm not all about that steamboat, but the people seem to like him. <laughs> Let's give him the intercontinental. Right. You know what I mean? Like just like Brian, you know that Vince and Triple H and them did not want to put that belt on Daniel Bryan. The fans wanted them to put that belt, and the, and and begrudgingly they did it. But that's just I like I, I guess I compare those two. Like in in Vince's mind, I look at those two like the same. Like Vince looks at Ricky Steamboat. Hey, he's a good worker, but I I don't see any money in him. You know. And that right, was but if you would have just thing. trusted him and let him go, let him let him do actually do something, you know what I mean? Actually, let him have. I mean, you saw what he did. This here's the thing, man. You're sitting there. You see what him and Savage did at WrestleMania three, mm-hmm. and then you don't capitalize it in any way. And then after Ricky loses the Intercontinental title, you let him slump back to WCW, where he does even better that mm-hmm. time around. You know, has some of the has some of the greatest matches in pro wrestling history in right. with Ric Flair. Right. You know what I mean? And then help bring up stars like Dustin Rhodes, Steve Austin, and, and build careers after that too. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like you never gave him a chance. You the only I reason ne- you let him win the Intercontinental title is because you wanted Savage to be the world champion the following year. And that time he came back to the WWF in ninety one when he was the dragon. Mm-hmm. I never ever begrudged them. I never begrudged the WWF for, for I understand the mindset of we I get the mindset of we want to make our show the spectacle, okay? So I always understood I understand the cape. The 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 hat gimmick was kind of silly, but I understand the cape. I understand the fire breathing. It's an attraction. It is, you know, that's what they do. What always got me about that run? Why did you why did you call him the dragon and try to pretend like his name wasn't Ricky Steamboat, you know? Right. Like right. what the fuck? Just I well, mean, did he ever existed before? Yeah, like, I mean, oh, this new guy. You can throw the shit on him and be like, look at Ricky Steamboat. He's on fire now he or went, something, Ricky, you know. Ricky Steamboat's gone crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he went to Las Vegas and got this outfit and this he really fire breathing a fucking dragon. That dude's crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, I just always thought that was stupid. Just like Hoss Funk, you know. God damn Well, it's... it was Vince's way of, like, I mean, we always make the joke that he made guys these stupid daytime jobs, like, Duke of Dumpster Drossy and T.L. Hopper and all that. So I guess in his way, it was like, Ricky's going to be a dragon. And Ricky Rainbow was like, oh, He's not just a dragon. Right. He's, He's a, a dragon. dragon. Right. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I love the finish of this match because of how realistic it was. You know, like these two just had this knockdown, drag out, great wrestling match. And the finish came out of nowhere with a reversal. Of a backslide. What I'm doing? I'm rockabilly. It was treason again. Rocka rocka rockabilly all night long. But yeah, I really like this match, and I agree with Aaron. Best match on the card. I agree. I agree. So next, the next one sucked. It's Billy Jack Haynes against Hercules Hernandez. Gorilla Monsoon's on his own on commentary here. He essentially alludes to the fact that Ernie Ladd... Nope, nobody Jay- cares about this match. He literally calls it a popcorn match. He <laughs> says that Johnny V went to get popcorn <laughs> and libations. <laughs> like, he literally admits this is the get up and get off your ass and get some concessions match. Give a little stretch. Go take a piss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Essentially, he said everything, but Ernie and Johnny left me high and dry here, folks. <laughs> my feet. My feet are going to cover the ground. <laughs> that I walk on and as fast that I walk as I can. Up. As fast as I can to get away from this atrocious thing. I need to get a corn dog and a Coke. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> <clears throat> the um the biggest the biggest note that I took here had nothing to do with the match. It was one of the things that I miss in professional wrestling is managers. Definitely. Not, not talking about advisors. I'm not talking about ex- whatever. It, you know, that's something that MLW does better than any promotion on the planet. Oh, without a doubt. Managers. I am so sad that that uh, De La Renta left that company. She's gone now. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the best manager 
in forever. But anyway, not to get off on a tangent, what I, the reason I said that is because they talked about Gorilla, they, <laughs> Gorilla, talked about during the match that Slick had purchased half of Fred Blassie's contracts because they were right. transitioning Blassie away to uh, to just uh, have his office where he didn't have to do anything. God bless that man. But anyway. Um, you know why he did it? Why he walked away? Why he didn't walk away. Why, I mean, why Vince why 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 Blassie reduced his own role? It's in his book. He talks about it. He was coming down the aisle, and somebody in like an arena threw a fucking egg at him, mm-hmm. and it hit him in his like the side of his head, and fucked up his vision, so he couldn't see well enough anymore. So he didn't want to keep working out in the ring because he couldn't see fucking well. And in his book, he's like, "Yep," he's like, "Hundreds, of, hundreds of millions of miles." Blood and gut matches, things with Ricky Dozan, and the thing that took me out, a fucking egg. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking egg. A fucking egg. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I like, I like, I miss wrestling managers. Like, and, and just Gorilla talking about that whole process there with like slick buying half the contracts and et cetera, et cetera. Right. I thought, I thought it was, you know, it just made me think about that. The managers added an extra step to the wrestler because mm-hmm. maybe the wrestler didn't have this crazy storyline going on, but mm-hmm. maybe his manager did. So the wrestler had to interject. For instance, I was watching recently and I'm sorry to get off track here, Nate. I'll make it quick. Uh, the face turn of the big boss man. Mm-hmm. And it, it, in in that whole storyline, there, Slick was paid by Ted DiBiase to get back the million dollar title from the Jake the Snake Roberts, and he the boss man went out and beat down Jake and took the title and walked away with it. Mm-hmm. And then when he found out Slick took money for it, he got mm-hmm. pissed and gave Jake back the bag and said, "Here, do what you want." You know what and, I mean? Yeah, and in that feud. Big Boss Man's the only man in the WWF to ever actually admit that Slick was a pimp. Right. I came in your pimp manager. <laughs> you know, so that's what I mean by a manager added more to the character. That, Nowadays, and, you don't get that. Well, and you know what? That is one thing that, and I won't get off <clears> on <throat> tangent here, but that's one thing that I like about Raw right now. Right. I am. I enjoy the combination of MVP and Lashley. I didn't M- at first, MVP, but I agree. MVP is filling, he, like, he is on a main stage. Like I said, MLW has done it the best the past oh, you know, decade. But on a main stage, MVP is the first guy that I watch where I think he's filling a quote-unquote manager role. Now, they were kind of during the pandemic when nobody was able to work, so they were just putting whoever that was available on TV they had that little thing going with Zelina and her faction too. Right. And that was kind of working into it. She was a really good like heel manager. Right. But anyway, it's a lost art. MVP is kind of doing it now, but that was my takeaway from the match. Nothing about the match, just the discussion of wrestling. managers. I have, I have yeah. one more. Fred Blassie thing that ties into this. That's also in his book. My favorite yeah. wrestling book. Um, he's talking about managing Hercules Hernandez. And he tells me and Gene in this promo, he's like, Hercules Hernandez, I'm going to make him the first Mexican world champion. And Gene's like, well, he's not Mexican. He's like, of course he is. Look at his 
name. It's Hernandez. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it's obvious. Mexican, his name's Hernandez. Our next match is a tag team matchup. Oh, Billy Jack won that by the backslide, by the way. Yeah, our, that, ne- yeah. Our, our, our next match, a tag team matchup, the Rougeau brothers as baby faces against the dream team of Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. Aaron, I want to ask you a question. What? I know. We all know. It's it's the gimp, bro. You don't like the beefer. You don't like the beefcake. But don't, you have to like the dream team as a tag team. They were a good tag team. Greg... Greg worked around, and and you could tell that he always was literally coaching Brutus in the ring. And he worked around it, and Brutus did his part. They were a good tag team. Admit it, I right here it, on I, this show. I will not. I put, <laughs> my first note is three great talents and a hunk of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're consistent. Greg Valentine. And I also wrote what Greg Valentine said in his Hall of Fame uh, induction. He said, he's talked about all the people he worked with, and he said, I taught Brutus Beefcake how to wrestle. Well, I tried anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, this was not a bad match. I liked this match. Everything was great about it, except Brutus Beefcake. He's a Forrest Gump. Brutus Beefcake is a Forrest Gump. He's a always stupid, in the right place. A right stupid time. idiot with a bunch of shit happening around him. <laughs> no funny. fucking idea what's going on. That is just terrible. Well, I put here it was a good tag match, and the Rougeos won. Raymond with a sunset flip for the win. Archie, what did you think of this match? Um, well, first of all, you said the, the, the Rougeau brothers mm-hmm. as a face tag team. Mm-hmm. They weren't really faces. They were just leading up to the point when they started to pretend that they loved America and they were all about Canada. Yeah. But but I, I like the Rougeau brothers as a tag team. I like Jacques Rougeau more than Raymond. Uh, I always thought Raymond was a horrible announcer when he finally got away from the ring. Yokozuna. Uh, yeah, Yokozuna, exactly. <laughs> um, but I like the Rougeau brothers. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Beefcake. Um, it was a decent match. It was two... Tag teams at that at this point were workhorses, so it was good to see two tag teams go in a technical match. And, and, and I, I know what you're saying about about um, Raymond, okay? And Jacques, Jacques gets the nod because Jacques had more personality. He was fantastic. You know, Jacques and, and and he, was fantastic, and he was great in the ring, and he had more like you know personality, but. They like everybody when they talk about the Rougeau brothers will say, Oh, Jacques was good, but he was kind of a prick. You know, like he wasn't a likable person. Mm-hmm. I thought he was. Every everybody says that like on that roster, like Raymond Rougeau was one of the like a badass. Like that dude was a badass. Like you didn't fuck with Raymond Rougeau. Like he would fuck you up if he had to. Right. And, and and that's why whenever you read about like all the stories about like dynamite, mm-hmm. it's all right. about dynamite fucking with Jacques. You never fucked with Raymond. Fuck with Jacques. <laughs> because that's what bullies do. They right. fuck with people that they know can't fuck back. And 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 Dynamite knew that 
Raymond probably handed my ass, so I'll just fuck Jacques Rougeau. So, quick question for you guys before we move on to the next. I match. just always thought, sorry. I just always no, think it's great, like, like, like it always like cracked me up when I first started, like when guys first like first started talking about real shit, like shoot interview as, as real as shoot interviews are, you know? Right. It's like right. here's this Raymond Rougeau guy. It looks like a fucking like Used market manager, like a market yeah. manager, but he's gonna fuck you up. You know? What I mean? <laughs> it's like it's anyway. A question for you guys that I'll pose you here. Um, talking about Jacques Rougeau. Mm-hmm. Better tag team, the Rougeau brothers or the Quebecers? Uh, off the top of my head, I'd go with the Quebecers because they won tag team gold more than once. They had great feuds with the Steiners, the Head Shrinkers, and a bunch of other tag teams. Even men on a mission, they got a good match out of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it was about Pierre and, and Jacques, but they just, I, I, maybe it was the mounting gimmick and the way, you know, but I liked them more. Like I well, said, excuse I was a fan of Raymond. Excuse me, sir. Mm-hmm. They were not the Mounties. <laughs> You're right about that. Because they always get their man. Their man, right. What do you think, Aaron? Um, Quebecers or Rougeau's? Um, total run, I'd say the Quebecers because I wasn't like a huge fan of the Rougeau like babyface tag team. Mm-hmm. I I'd lean more towards for different. I have different reasons for liking both teams. If that makes sense. Oh, me too. Like like the Quebecers as, were as fucking a, the Quebecers were fucking ridiculous. As a like, package, <laughs> yeah. As a package, I prefer the Quebecers with Johnny Polo. Like right. I just thought, right. And, and maybe it could also be it could also be that at you know you, you're talking about the late 80s versus the early 90s. So the Quebecers were on top of a marginally worse tag division True. too. You know, True. like they they stuck out more because, I mean, that late 80s WWF tag division is one of the greatest tag divisions of all time. So, I mean, in the Quebecers and Johnny Polo, and Aaron and I have talked about this before too, Archie, mm-hmm. those early days of Raw – Right, like revolve around the Quebecers. Oh, you know, definitely. The, the world champion isn't on every week. The tag, the intercontinental champion isn't on every week. But you can guarantee the Quebecers and Johnny Polo are going to be out there getting heat in some capacity. <laughs> they were either on commentary or they would do a run in or they'd have a match. You know, I mean, they were so over with that Manhattan crowd that they yeah. started, they were like singing their music and shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, but yeah, I like to. I I just personally. And and this isn't dissing Raymond and Jacques as a team because I do love them. Like Aaron said, there's there's pluses and minuses to both. But I I lean toward the Quebecers and Johnny Polo myself. I just thought that was a fun question to come out of that conversation yeah. about. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, our next match. It's old school, baby. It is Harley Race versus Pedro Morales. Um. G- you remember Johnny? what you said for JYD and Adonis? Mm-hmm. I think this echoes it even more. <clears throat> Two guys in their heyday that just, you know, didn't, you know, were just looking for a payday at the end of it. I think Pedro was an agent at this time, wasn't he? If not now, if not then, very shortly after then, yeah. And I mean, the match was decent for what, you know, I put that it was short but good. 
I also yeah, put the, the the match. Uh, okay, I was just gonna say the match was cut short. Like they yeah, they came into this match very late, which tends to tell me it probably wasn't very good. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about Johnny Valiant's Puerto Rican Lion? Did you catch that? Like he was lying about a Puerto Rican? No, he said. Uh, he said, or uh, I think it was the, it was Gorilla or Ernie Ladd. I don't remember which. Said something about uh, if Harley Race got Morales fired up, he'd be like a Puerto Rican lion. And Johnny Valiant <laughs> said, Johnny Valiant said, "Have you ever heard a Puerto Rican lion? You ever heard a port?" They say. Jesus. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I sat here and laughed. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Harley, Harley gets the old school type victory with his feet on the ropes. And now yeah. we move to our main event Hulk Hogan. And Paul Orndorff, with Paul Orndorff using Hogan's music. Lots of heat. Which was hysterical. <laughs> yes. And these two Florida boys beat the shit out of me. Paul Orndorff, Paul Orndorff, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and I'll bookend the show with this, doesn't get enough credit. And Paul Orndorff went in that ring and made Hulk Hogan fucking work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like He Definitely. was like... I, I don't care if you're the top guy. I don't care if Vince loves you. You're going to fucking work tonight, Hogan. <laughs> and watching it, I was like, man, Hulk Hogan was never not super over in fucking Toronto. Yeah, they love like, Toronto. Hogan Toronto loves, loves Hulk Hogan. Fucking loves him. Like, those people lost their fucking minds when Hulk Hogan came out. <laughs> What'd you guys think of the match? Uh, I thought it was fun, and it and, yeah. and, and I, I just wrote one other thing. One thing I wrote down was I know we've talked about like feuds and rivalries and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever mentioned that um, Hulk Hogan and Bobby Heenan should be like up in like the top five greatest feuds. Yeah, yeah, I agree. No matter, I mean, for from the AWA to the WWF to WCW, they never liked each other. They never liked each other. <laughs> and Bobby was, you know, obviously not WCW because he wasn't a manager in WCW. He was a commentator. But through AWA, WWF. Like yeah, well, I, I was just saying he was always sending someone after Hogan. Yep. And then in WCW, he was constantly trying to undercut Hogan from the broadcast booth and aligning himself with Flair. And yep. yeah, but they were, you're right, Aaron, they were always intertwined. They were, Heenan and Hogan were always intertwined. But it worked. And, and, on and, every and, level. And, yeah, and then, but in real life, Bobby was like, man, I got on that Hogan coattail and rode that shit to the yep. bank. Yep. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm going wherever <laughs> Hogan's going. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, well, this match, like I said, a real, I think it was a really good match. Orndorff uh, made Hogan work. And the the finish, kind of wonky. Kind of a yeah, wonky and you got, a, you got a different side of Hogan in this, too, because, like, 
I don't think people understand somewhat what the big event was. It wasn't meant to be like a broadcast show. Mm-hmm. It was a big fucking house show. And then when they realized, I've read this before, when they realized 70,000 people right. bought tickets to be at this thing, they were like, we got to film. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't like what I've heard is like Vince didn't know what he was going to do with it. You know, yeah. It's like seventy thousand people are gonna be at this fucking thing. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta film it. So it's different with Hogan on this match because Hogan wasn't working Saturday Night's main event, or he wasn't right. working WrestleMania. He was working a fucking house show. So Hogan doesn't get enough credit for when he needed to could put his working shoes on and do his thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But but then people are like, well, when he's on serious main event, da, da, da. it's like, well, people don't want to see Hulk Hogan have a fucking right thirty five <laughs> minute five star. Or I should say five star, but you know what I'm saying. Like they don't want to see Hulk Hogan do that. They want him to play the hits. Right. This was right. different because, like I said, it was basically a filmed house show. Mm-hmm. So overall, well, okay. Hogan wins this match by disqualification. There's a little chicanery. With the ref count, um, the ref does the count after Heenan, Heenan interferes, ref goes down, does the silly thing where he counts two, but then for the three, he taps. Or, that's why I said it's a wonky finish. He taps Orndorff's shoulder. Orndorff thinks he gets the pin. We get some footage of Orndorff with the WWF title on. There's a reason they do things like that. Yep. You are testing so, the waters to see how mm-hmm. the crowd's going to react. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I personally have liked to see Rondor for the title run. But anyway. Uh, I, I would have had no problem with it. But I would uh, like to point out this was the fourth non-finish of an 11-match show. It was. It was. And that's that's what that's what I want to get it because Hogan wins this by DQ. And I want to get to that, Archie, because I want everybody to give their overall feelings and score of this show before we sign off this week. I'll let you start, Arch. Well, I look. The matches that were meant to be fun and attractions like the machine match and the uh, Jake the Snake and Ricky Steamboat matches were fine. Those were, in my opinion, pay-per-view quality matches. Mm-hmm. The four non-finishes hurts it a little bit. I'd roughly give this show, if, I, uh, you know, if I'm being honest, I'd probably give it a 3.5 and would tell people to watch it. You know what I mean? Right. But I would explain to them, don't get your hopes up on it to be like a Matt Classic or a you know, high quality show. Aaron? Uh, mine's similar. I gave it a three out of five and I will just preface like what I was saying earlier. And I know Archie, you're talking about like the, the finishes and stuff. Like I said, it wasn't, the show was not intended to be a bridge to get to another, like, you know what I mean? Like this wasn't, right. you shouldn't say a bridge. This wasn't a, Oh, this is going to be the blow off this feud or this, that, or the other thing. This was just a fucking show that wound up becoming a fucking event. If that makes sense, right? And no, that's I, why I, I agree. I it was a, that. it was a, it was a televised thing. It was a house show that turned into a televised thing, but they still booked it like a house show. And I also, <clears throat> I landed on a three, like Aaron did. Um, and what carried it to a three for me was the machines attraction match. 
the <clears throat> Steamboat and Roberts match, which was the best thing on the show. Yes. And up until the finish, Hogan and Orndorff was really good, too. Right. <clears throat> Other than that, yeah, lots of, especially early in this show, oof, that undercard was rough. <laughs> rough yeah, it, stuff. It took to, like, match after match five ended for it to really take off. Mm-hmm. You know, but it wasn't bad. I Like I said, I would tell people, you know, Hey, what did you think of the big event? Watch it, but don't like get gung ho for like, oh, this is going to be the best show I've ever watched. Yep. If you have a chance, I would recommend those of you that haven't seen it, get on the WWE WWE Cock Network yes, and yes. Uh, and watch this show. That's what we're going to call it from now on. WWE Cock Network. Can we, and uh, can I call it Weacock? Weacock. Yes. Weacock <laughs> works for me. <laughs> Wait, that sounded bad. <laughs> uh, mark for edit. All right. But anyway, hey, the funny part about this is, is we are winding down our party here. The neighbors have wound down their party. So. Oh, I'm just coming <laughs> over for karaoke and, and, and dip. <laughs> Can I ask you guys a question? Because you're a little figure people. Yes. Okay, I'm going to show you guys something. I spent 25 bucks on it. Okay? Okay. And then like $5 shipping. Okay. I don't know if I did or not. I did a, did a good decision. You overpaid by about 8 bucks. 8 bucks? Is he mint? <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's is by, by the way, folks. It was a Hasbro warlord, warlord, and when Archie asked if it was meant, Aaron sniffed it. So, is, is the mask silver, is, or is there like paintware? There's a little bit of paintware. Uh, then twenty five isn't horrible. I've seen okay. them go for fifteen. I've seen them go for twenty. I just so, wanted it. I yeah, want to. No. I want to say, folks. I know I've admitted it on the show before. It's okay. I'm one of like the three warlord marks in the world. I love the mm-hmm. warlord, and I love that figure. I really that's a to me. I really love that figure. Anyway, I wish the mask would have been removable, but it's okay. That's me grasping right. at straws. Right. Are there? Okay, never mind. All right. That being said, does anybody want to... Archie, do you want to plug anything at the end of the show? Uh, check out the Virtual Asylum, as always. We've got some big shows coming up with Lita and uh, um, Kurt Angle. Uh, of course, Darby Allen's coming up soon. Uh, uh, Lance Archer, uh, Will Hobbs. A mm-hmm. uh, bunch of great names are coming up from uh, AEW. Um, so don't miss out on that. Uh, check the, boy, out- the, the boys were on the road this weekend to Baltimore. Yes, Yes, uh, with Ron Simmons and Candace Michelle and Victoria. I would have been there had I not had to go to the damn DMV this morning and renew my license. But, you know uh, what? You know what? You want to hear? You want to hear Small World? Mm-hmm. This is the We Can't Wrestle slash Asylum slash Reliving the Extreme Small World. Right. Last night we're rec- we're recording this on Saturday. Wait, yeah, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday fifteenth. Yep. Um, last night. David Gold and Rocky Turner and Nick Francis were at Jimmy's Famous Seafood mm-hmm. with Victoria and, and Candace, Michelle. Candace Michelle to get ready for a wrestling convention today. You know who else was at Jimmy's Famous Seafood yesterday? As oh. Aaron as Aaron and I were chatting with him, Chad Austin, Chad. who's getting who's getting married tomorrow. Wow, um, he was at Jimmy's with uh, wrestling uh, historian Roy Lucher. So. 
Wow. You know, small small wrestling world out right. there. Everybody's uh, everybody's kind of interconnected. It's it's cool yep. to me. Like I was seeing pictures from David and and Rocky and them from um, Jimmy's Seafood, and then I'm seeing stuff from Chad, and I'm like, well, fuck, Aaron and I got to be there. What the fuck right. are we sitting in Ohio for? But anyway, right. oh, David, David almost cursed me out. He's like, why the hell aren't you coming to Baltimore? I'm like, because I have to be at the DMV at twelve o'clock. He's like, for what? <laughs> I'm like, because I want to go. It's fun. I'm like, I have to renew my license. He's like, yeah, shit come do, after? Bitch. I'm like, dude, it's three, it's twelve o'clock. The show starts at twelve and ends at three. If I get done there at one, I ain't making it to Baltimore in two hours. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Aaron, anything so, you want to uh, plug? Reliving the extreme. I know how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and plug Reliving the Extreme, <laughs> which is my baby. My, I don't want to say my anymore, but it was, it's, it's, I love doing this. It's my favorite time of the week or time of the month or three months, whenever we get to do it. But that Reliving the Extreme, that was my brainchild. I enjoy it so much. It's something that, um, when we started doing this, we had no idea it would be a thing. Um, and like no idea that almost like with this, like Archie, you and I would have never met if we wouldn't have done this. You know what I mean? Right. I would have known you and, as just Nate's brother. Right. Yeah. And, and if, if we wouldn't have been able to have this platform to move into that platform, we would have never had reliving the extreme. And I think it's a great show. And I, I agree. We'll need to. It, it's it's the little podcast that nobody knows about. You got to listen to it. Put the word out there, guys. Share it. And I don't want to ramble anymore because I try to say I know how to do this. But what I'm getting at is that if you want comedy, nostalgia, <laughs> backstage information like we get from Chad, and just fun times. Get on there and listen to it. And if you want to watch the show, the show might be the show you watch might be shit, but what we get out of it is gold. Yep. It's gold, <laughs> Jerry. Gold. It's gold, Jerry. It's gold. And uh, of course, I will one more time plug WrestleNet Radio right now, 24 7, 365. As we speak, I don't know what's on, but I know something's on. And you can listen to all of the personalities of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, the Asylum Wrestling podcast, the Asylum, the Virtual Asylum, Reliving the Extreme, all of us, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in your fucking face yep. with WrestleNet Radio. And we want to thank everybody who supported that so far and supporting this show and all the things that we are doing as a community that, um, you know, probably what, Archie, late 2019. Yep. Was when uh, when we really got going as far as getting you in the sh- in this show. Yep, and uh, it's you been, uh, you joined the asylum. Yeah, and it's been a little over a year. This and community to me is is you know it, there's my family here at my house, and of course my brother and my dad and blah blah blah. But you know what I mean. There's my family, and then there's this. This is my my other community and brotherhood without a doubt, and without a doubt, and. And I'm, all of you that listen are part of that. We are not, I'm, you know. We're, I'm going to let the fans in on something here, Nate. I don't mean to cut you off. Mm-hmm. Um, 
COVID-19 um, kept me from a lot of friends and family the last year because, of course, social distancing and people not wanting to be around. And it kind of showed me who real family was outside of, you know, this community. Right. But it also showed me who real family in this community was as well. Mm -hmm. uh, there is not a day that doesn't go by that I don't talk to Nate or Aaron or Kyle or David Gold. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, the people who are here with us on We Can't Wrestle and we don't just check up on each other or talk or shoot the shit. You know what I mean? Or if I'm right. down and out, I messaged Nate the other night at 2 a.m. And he messaged back and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. You but, know? but full disclosure, I didn't have my phone, so I was kind of the prick that night. Because I was like, still, 35 no, minutes later, checked. I'm like, what's going on, Archie? Yeah, but he still <laughs> checked. And then he checked on me the next day, too. So this and, is not and, just a community. We've become a family. We've become friends. And I love it. Okay, I say two more things, and then I'll sure. be done. Mm -hmm. sure. Um, and I don't, Nate knows this. I don't get on a soapbox like political wise. And this is going to be a political thing or any kind of like, um, social issues. You know what I mean? I don't talk about that shit. I don't really care. Um, but I will say this, like Ohio is, unless you're not fully vaccinated, is getting away from the masks and all that, which I'm super happy about because people need to see the glorious face of me. <laughs> but what I'm going to say is, and I, I know there, I, we don't have millions and millions of people listening, <laughs> even though they're relaxing stuff and arch, I don't know how it's going in Jersey. They're, they're starting with, as long as you have both vaccinations that you can not wear the mask, you know, indoors yeah, certain and, places, and go so. do your thing. Right. But what I'm what I'm gonna ask people and hope everybody shares is even though <clears throat> they're relaxing it and they're getting away from it, don't be fucking stupid. Right. Still take care of yourself, still wash your hands. And watch still, out for others as well. Still watch out for others. Still if you're on a plane, be safe. Right. And and, and just because I'm just worried that everybody's just going to get stupid and all of a sudden everybody's just going to be sneezing in each other's mouths again. Yep. I'm just yeah. worried about that. I, I, I agree with you 100%. And then um, the last thing I'm going to say is I know Chad and I were kind of joking around a little bit on the, on the Facebook page, but we do, we, I'd be remiss not to mention, and I think we all would be that, uh, this is on the heels of uh, the wrestling fans in the community losing New Jack, Jerome Young. Yes. For all the bad, negative things people can say about the guy, he left it in the ring, he entertained, and God we, blessed him and his family. Yeah, yes. We are going to do a little retrospective um, when we all get back together this week to do new episodes of Reliving the Extreme about New Jack and... But what I want to say on here, and I'll elaborate more on RTE, but for all the things that can be said about New Jack and rest in peace and our condolences to his family and friends, one of my favorite promo guys. When we did our top 10 favorite promos of all time in this show, mm -hmm. he was like number eight on my list. Yep. You, you, it's hard to match a Jack promo because... Yeah. Because it was real. I don't know if you guys oh, watched. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched Paul Heyman's tribute to him from. Yes, I did. 
from the SmackDown deal. Almost uh, made but, me cry. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what everything Heyman said on there was true. When you what you saw on TV with yep. New Jack was Jerome Young. There was not. There was very little of, bl- of blurring the lines between the gimmick and the man. And yeah, I mean, I could watch him do a shoot interview or cut a promo for hours. I, I've gotten I've gotten down New Jack fucking wormholes. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know oh, on yeah. YouTube, not watching him wrestle necessarily. Nope. But just watching him talk, yep. you know, and yep. he always entertained me. And I, like I said, we'll get maybe more into depth with chat about it. Um, My fandom started with him because of Beyond the Mat. That mm-hmm. little like 20 minute interlude he had. I've been kidnapped the, by white people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I just, like you said, now when I'm watching a shoot interview and he's involved, or if I hear somebody mention him in a shoot interview, I got to go back and watch some. It's like hearing he passed away. It it immediately made me go, wow, wow, why now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With all the shit he's been through, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, all of a sudden, out of clear blue sky, this happened. Mm-hmm. So God rest in peace. May, may his family have peace upon them, and may they have everything they need. And the wrestling world, look, you could think about what you want about him, but the wrestling world lost somebody who contributed big time to ECW and, I just and Smoky say- Mountain. I just want to say real quick, my favorite part of Paul Heyman's little eulogy, I guess, to uh, New Jack was when he said, when New Jack's music hit, he talked about New Jack being gangsta. Mm-hmm. And he said, when New Jack's music hit and he came into that arena, you knew you were getting New Jack. And no, we didn't pay for the rights to use that yep. music because yep. <laughs> we were ECW right. and we're gangsta. And I just loved it. I was, he was like, and no, we didn't pay for the rights to use that. That was fantastic, Paulie. <laughs> but anyway, I want to thank everybody for joining us on this edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And I think next time around, we're going to be uh, watching the NWA Championship Tournament from 1994. And reviewing that, that was in uh, Archie's neck of the woods, Cherry Hill, I think. Yep. So we will cover that next time around. I don't, I don't like Cherry Hill too much. I got an ex-wife from there. So, <laughs> we'll talk about that another time, though. <laughs> Archie, Archie's country song doesn't work. All my exes live in Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill it, just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work, Archie. I'm sorry. Nope. nope. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next time around on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. The We Can't Wrestle podcast is a production of Maxin Out Media, all rights reserved.